we're back up. Um, we're we not gonna blame that one on the devil. We're not gonna give him that credit. Uh, that was it was a little human error, but but nonetheless, uh, nonetheless. Um, so so we have uh, a guest tonight. I know the last couple of weeks of Bible study have been have not been our, our traditional setting, uh, and we have a guest today. I guess he ain't even really a guest. I guess that's not. I mean, I'm saying like a, like I have somebody with me doing oh. Bible study. Okay, yeah, right here. 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 Right uh, abundant faith, but he is. I'm a charter member of this church. <laughs> you, you are, but you're a guest tonight for Bible study. Okay. Because I'm normally solo at Bible study. Gotcha. All right. Gotcha. Um. So my big brother Kendall Wyatt. What in the world? All right, my big brother Kendall Wyatt. Yo, all of these are uh, showing red. So, we're going to have a discussion tonight uh, uh, just to make sure. What in the world is happening tonight? We're going to have a discussion tonight to make sure that, uh, that you all know um, and have a biblical understanding of the importance of the importance of the, the church's role in uh, this fight for social justice and social equality. So uh, my big brother's here, Pastor Kendall Wyatt, uh, who is, the reason why he's here is because uh, he's a minister of the gospel. Um, he is an activist and advocate for uh, social justice, uh, for, for rights, equality, and equity. Um, he is a, uh, a student and historian, um, and so I thought that he would be a great person to have uh, with me to have this particular discussion. Um, and so I know we, we're, we're running a, a little bit behind tonight, but I want to real quick, um, for those of you who don't really know, some of you know him in the activism world and not necessarily in ministry. Some of you know him in ministry and not necessarily the activism. So just real quick, bro, just kind of tell us a little bit about just you. Um, so um, I'm Kendall Wyatt. Um, I am an associate pastor at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church uh, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I serve under, um, where I serve under um, Michael Sean Johnson is the senior pastor of the church that uh, I am currently Part of, um, I am at Mount Pleasant, just just uh, enjoying ministry and hiding a little bit. Um, but I also have the um, the pleasure, distinct pleasure, of being the president of the Young Lions Action Network, which Pastor Bartlett is a part of, and um, it is a, a group of young preachers and activists, pastors that have come together to um, try and shine a light on some of the troubled areas uh, in our city and in our city government, state government. Uh, and um, if the Lord shall see fit, maybe that group will grow nationally. But right now, uh, we are focused on some of the challenges that we face in Indianapolis with uh, 
all different levels of inequality, whether it's racial, um, socioeconomic, um, uh, the disparity in, in health or wealth, uh, and we try to address all of those issues with our group. All right. So, uh, if y'all want to know more about Young Lions, what we do, uh, what we're doing, what we've done, what we're looking to do, uh, that's not what tonight is about. You want to do that? Go follow the Young Lions Action right. Network on Facebook. Right. All right. There's plenty of information there. We want you to follow us and make sure uh, that you stay up on what's going on. Tonight, I want to have a discussion and conversation um, about uh, what does the Bible say that the church's role should be uh, in the fight for equality, um, in the fight for uh, social justice. Just, I mean, it, and it's, it's bad that we even have to have this type of conversation because you would think that equality would come naturally, right? But Obviously, that's not, <laughs> not that's not the case. So what so what does what does the Bible say about the church's role in this type of situation? So I had the opportunity. Um, uh, it's been oh almost two years now uh, to do, or was it? Maybe it was last year. You know that you know we're we're living in dog years right now because of COVID nineteen. Um, but I had the opportunity to um, to go to Barnes United Methodist. Okay. With um, and and talk about the role of the church in social justice, ironically uh, enough. And um, and while I was there, the the thing I told them was that the role of the church, in my opinion, is twofold. Mm-hmm. It is um, it is it is a the church has a theological responsibility to be involved in social justice, and the church has a historical responsibility to be involved in social justice. So I think it's I think our role is both theological and historical. Okay. Um, the the theological aspect of it comes from Luke chapter four. Um, the first sermon Jesus preached, the first one he preached mm-hmm. in the synagogue is in Luke chapter four verse eighteen. And if you don't mind, I'm gonna read this. It says this is what Jesus Jesus' first public speech as a as a as his ministry, his first, his trial sermon was this. Okay. Let me go back a little bit. It says, he came to, verse 16, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it's written. Watch this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, watch this, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to those who are captive. And recovery of sight to the blind. And to set free the oppressed. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let me, the, spirit of the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He has gifted me. He has empowered me. This is what he has called me to do. This is my. That's this, in red. That's in red. That's okay. what Jesus is talking. Okay. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. He has commissioned me. He has gifted me. This is my ministry, is what Jesus was saying, to preach good news to poor people. He sent me to proclaim freedom to those who are captive, and that literally, that, that has a, um, a dual meaning. 
of both spiritual captivity and physical captivity. Right? Okay. So, so, and then recovery of sight to the blind. All right? That's a medical condition if you're blind. So now we're talking about health. We're talking about health care. Right. Um, and then we're talking about to set free people who are oppressed. Okay. Okay. And then to then the last thing he says, Jordan, Pastor Jordan, the last thing he says <laughs> is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right. The the preaching part is the last thing he mentioned. Right. So the church, we have got to be careful. It bothers me to the end of the earth, wherever that may be, <laughs> as I search for it. That Negro preachers will sit back and not involve themselves in this fight. Mm-hmm. How can you be a gospel preacher and not live out Luke chapter 4? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach to poor people. Right? To bring good news to people that are poor. It's going to be alright. You're going to make it. It's going to get better. Mm-hmm. To proclaim freedom to those who are captive, whether that's spiritual captivity or people that are physically being locked up. To the recovery of sight to the blind. So, you know, the fact that the I'm going to go here with this. The fact that Republicans will come after health care and then try to pretend as if that's a Christian characteristic <laughs> is beyond me. Okay. Because Jesus said in his first sermon, I've come to heal people. Right. right. To make sure they have health care. Okay. And to set free those who are oppressed, those who are pressed down and who are forced to be in positions of submission. They are they are looked past. They're looked over. They are looked, you know, people shove them to the side. I've come to set the people free that have been shoved down. So how we miss that is beyond me. So the 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 the, the church's role in social justice is Theological because of what Jesus said okay. in Luke chapter 4. But it's also historical because of the, the, the modern fathers of the church. Gotcha. So we have apostolic fathers of the church, um, the apostles, you know, Peter, James, Paul, uh, you know, all, all, of the, all of those that followed Christ. Um, um, we we have we have um, we have their their teachings as apostolic fathers of the church, right? But then the American fathers of the church, especially the black church, they also left us a roadmap. We're talking about the Dr. Kings and and those who who left us a a a roadmap. And even if you don't fully agree with the theology of Daddy Grace and Father Divine around the Great Depression. Even if you don't agree with their theology, because I don't, what they did try to do was try to connect Christ to crisis. Mm-hmm. They connect Christ to crisis to say you need some level of God, even though they tried to make themselves equal with him. That's not the point. The point right. is they at least understood right. that you need Christ in crisis. So to me, the role of the church is is theological because of Luke chapter four, and it's also historical because of the the roadmap of, like I said, doc, the Dr. Kings and the and the C. L. Franklins and and even even uh, the the Jesse Jacksons and even Al Sharpton, mm-hmm. um, how they have tried to set a pattern for how we should be operating um, as it pertains to social justice. And one more thing, that the social issues that we face in this country. 
in general, not necessarily what we're dealing with currently with police brutality, but just in general. Um, it concerns me when Christians, let me tread lightly here, detach themselves from the struggles of all minorities, even the LGBTQ community. And let me explain what I mean by that. That whether you agree with the lifestyle or not, it's still, if someone tries to oppress them, they are still working against what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. So an oppression of any, of any people is something that Jesus said, I've come to set free those who are oppressed. Now, if you don't agree with that lifestyle, preach Jesus better. If you preach Jesus better, he'll turn the heart. What I need to do, but like I say to people all the time, even if you don't agree with like the gay agenda and, and say that it's not a part of the general social movement, even if you don't agree with that, my question would be, let's say uh, a person that is gay, let's say that they would want to, let's say that through, uh, they feel convicted and they decide that they want to, you know, uh, turn back to God or turn back to God in this area and they want to give up that lifestyle if, if they feel convicted on some level. If they turn around and come to you, wouldn't you want to have clean hands when they get there? Right. That you haven't been contributing to their oppression that whole time. Right. Um, you, you want to have clean hands and so you know that, that's just in a, in a general sense to me I think that's what the church's role is. It is theological and it is historical. Those, those two ways. Okay, so so n none of this conversation is scripted, um, and so the the things that I'm going to be asking, uh, Pastor Wyatt did not have an opportunity to to prepare some scripted answer. Um, now you and I have had conversations privately, um, so we want to make sure that we. Uh, that we remain decent and in order on time. And I'm, I'm giving this disclaimer because I know what I'm about to ask you. Okay. Um, as it pertains to the church's role, uh, biblically speaking, uh, as it pertains to the church's role in this fight for social justice and social equality, uh, what do you say to, or, or what could we say to those people who say, that the reason why the church is is not effective in this fight is because Christianity is a white man's religion. Oh. Um. So, I'm so very glad you asked that question. For those of you who are who might watch this. Um, are we, on, are we on Abundant Faith? How are we, how are we doing this? We're, we're on the page. So, here, let me see. I got you. Yeah, go ahead and do that while I, answer this, while I answer the question. Listen. <clears throat> Gather around. <laughs> Listen. The Christian, the Christian church started in Ethiopia in the first century. Did, did, they, hear, did they hear that? The so Christian church started in Ethiopia. Pastor Bartlett, where is Ethiopia? <laughs> Ethiopia is in Africa. Is it? Yeah, last time I checked, unless it's moved since then. The Bible says that Jesus 
had skin like burnt brass and hair like lamb's wool. Don't that sound like? Don't that sound like like a like like a somewhere between me and you? Yeah, between yeah. me, you somewhere, somewhere between. He's 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 on he's somewhere on the African diaspora, somewhere yeah. on the on the on the African rainbow for sure. This is a trick of the devil to convince black folks to walk away from uh, to walk away from the, the true God of our fathers. The true God of our fathers. Now watch this, because I somebody's gonna I, I just I'm glad you teed this up. It's like T ball. <laughs> somebody's gonna watch this, Pastor Pastor Bartlett, and they're gonna say, um, you know, no, uh, white folks took Jesus from from Horace and Kemet. You know, <laughs> Horace is, you know, Kemet was the, you know, it's Egypt, Egyptology, and Kemet is the place, and and they took it and they stole it and they gave it to, you know, they gave us a, a white man, you know, a white man's religion. They stole the uh, the name from it. Do that again. They stole the name. Uh, they, they took the story of 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 Horus and made a white Jesus out of it. That is not true. Those of you that are watching this, I want to take a take a walk with me, would you? In the book of Genesis, there was a guy named uh, Abram, and I'm gonna see if I can do this in two minutes. There was a guy named Abram. Who had an encounter with, with Jehovah God, the living God. Mm-hmm. And after that encounter with the living God, his name was changed to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Abraham had a son named, he had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, Ishmael was the first son, but he was not the promised son, which that is a sermon in and of itself. That just because you first don't mean that you're the one that, that's got the favor on you. Right. Okay, so okay. we'll leave that for another time. We'll discuss that. We'll discuss that another time. So Ishmael is a byproduct of a extramarital affair by Abraham because he didn't trust God's word. God said, hey, man, I'll bless Ishmael. I'll make a great nation out of him. But he's not the promised son. Isaac is the promised son. Isaac then grows up. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was uh, supposed to get the birthright, but he gave up the birthright for a bowl of soup. He let his fleshly desires get in the way of his destiny. That's another sermon. But Jacob, even though he was a trickster, he used that to his benefit. All right. Then Jacob, now now the 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 now we're on the bloodline of Jacob. Jacob, so we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Mm-hmm. One of those 12 sons, the second to the youngest, is named Joseph. Mm-hmm. Joseph has this dream about his brothers bowing down to him. Mm-hmm. And they're jealous of him. And, and they know that, he, that their father loves him more than he loves the rest of them because his father gave him a coat of many colors. It's the same kind of coat that a king would give to a prince. For sure. None of the rest of them had a coat of many colors. They get jealous of their brother. They send their brother. They, they, they throw him into a pit. They sell him into slavery. Watch this. Into Egypt. Oh, no. <laughs> Something's happening here. They sell him into, into slavery into Egypt. Uh, Joseph is bought by a guy named Potiphar, who was a military leader. Uh, he was, uh, for all intents and purposes, maybe the um, Joint Chiefs of Staff for the Egyptian army. And uh, he puts Joseph to work. Joseph does well. He ends up running Potiphar's whole house. 
Potiphar's wife sees Joseph growing up. He's a young guy. Now he's in his early 20s. He's nice, strong, got a strong back, muscles popping out. You know how it is, ladies. He got his pecs and everything going. And she wants she wants to sleep with him. He says, no, I will never betray my, my boss because really I could be like the rest of the slaves. But he has treated me well. I'll never disrespect him. So when he wouldn't, you know, do it, you know, R. Kelly said, she's screaming, rape down low. So then, so then... He gets thrown into jail. There's two guys in jail. One dude has a dream that he's going to get killed. The other guy has a dream he's going to get out of jail. Joseph is able to interpret those dreams. The guy that got out of jail standing in front of the king. The king keeps having these dreams. I'm going somewhere with this. The king keeps having dreams about – the pharaoh keeps having dreams about uh, um, uh, a bunch of fat, fat cows, fat calves. And then a bunch of skinny cows and skinny cows. He kept having this like weird dreams of like plenty and none, plenty and none. And the guy said, there's a dude named Joseph that I met in prison, and I think that he can interpret your dream. So the king, so the Pharaoh says, go and get him, bring him in here. He comes in there. He interprets the Pharaoh's dream. He said, what the Lord is saying to Egypt is there's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be there's going to be seven years of plenty and there's going to be seven years of drought during the seven years of plenty. You need to take this amount of all the food you take in of grain and animals and all that and set all that to the side so that when the drought comes, you can you can uh, you can sustain yourself through the drought. OK, so Joseph's word comes to pass. They get seven years of plenty. Then they have seven years of lack. And the king says, now watch this, Joseph, because of, his, because of the gift that God gave him, Joseph saved the entire economy of Egypt. Mm-hmm. One guy saved the entire economy of Egypt to the point where people from around the world were coming to Egypt to get, because, to get food. And guess who shows up? His brothers and them. And, and, and he puts Joseph in charge of all this stuff. Joseph then becomes the uh, secretary of agriculture in, in Egypt, and he has a high-ranking position in the government. And the king says, because your God showed us how to make it through this famine, watch this, everyone in Egypt will learn about Jehovah God. Now, wait a minute. Abraham spent all this time with God. God said, out of your and through your through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed mm-hmm. through your seed. I'm going to bless every nation. He was talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Abraham passed that story about a about a, a virgin, a virgin uh, conceiving a child by by God himself. Abraham passes that to Isaac. Isaac passes that to Jacob and Esau. Jacob passes that to his 12 sons. And guess what Joseph did when he's in Egypt? Well, who tell me about your God? OK, well, my God is going to impregnate a virgin and, the, and he's going to be the savior of the world. Well, I'll tell you what. This is what the Pharaoh said. Go in them caves. <laughs> go in them pyramids mm-hmm. and write that story down. Right. That's how you got Horus, because the living God was revealing himself to Egypt through the ministry of Joseph. Right. So no, Christianity is not the white man's religion <laughs> because Christianity was written on the walls of the pyramids, of the great pyramids, at least the first two pyramids. The, uh, the, the first two, the, uh, those first two pyramids were being built. The first one was built. The second one was being built during the time of Joseph. And the third one was built during the time of Moses. Mm-hmm. So... This story of this story of Christ was written on the walls in those pyramids. And, and that's that's how you got a virgin conceiving a son by God. 
That's how you got that story in those caves. Because Joseph was there. He had been taught those stories. So those of you that disconnect yourself from the church because you'll say it's the white man's religion. That's just not true. Because Christianity, Christianity as a religion, started in the first century in Ethiopia. As a matter of fact, that Ethiopian church is still there today. It's still there. If you wanted to, after COVID-19, get your passport, <laughs> go to Ethiopia, and you will see the, 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 the Greek Orthodox church in Ethiopia that's been there since the first century. It's been there for 2,000 years. In addition to that, 3,000, 3,500 years before that, the writings of who, of who Christ would be, the stories of what God shared with Abraham, that Abraham shared with Isaac, that Isaac shared with Jacob and Esau, that Jacob shared with Joseph, that Joseph saved Egypt, and then they wrote it down. That stuff is in those. God has been trying to reveal himself to people of color since the beginning. Right. And we always say that the cradle of life is in Africa. Well, guess where God, God if God was, God could have picked any spot on this planet. To start creation. He could have started creation in Scandinavia. <laughs> he could have started creation in Antarctica. Mm -hmm. he, he started creation in Africa. That is not something we run from as Christians. That's something that you should run to as a person, a part of the African diaspora. For and sure. when you try to detach yourself from that, you run the risk of doing the same thing that we were warned about in the Negro National Anthem. I know it's a long answer. <laughs> but you run the risk... Of, of doing the same thing we did with the, that the writer of the Negro National Anthem warned us of in verse number three. He said... Well, first of all, don't nobody know nothing past the first verse. That's I don't know nothing past the first verse. Well, let me give it to you then because I, I want y'all to hear this because this was... When was this written? Like 1921 or something like that? You talk, you're talking about the Negro na National Anthem. Mm -hmm. I mean... We, yeah, but well, after that first verse, the, the crowd get real slim, Doctor. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's the turns of the muscles. Yeah, the volume ain't as loud on on, on I, first story. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> let me let me let me let me show you something because I I want to I want to I want to because he warned us of something. He said, um, "This is what it says, verse number three: God of our weary years, God of our silent tears." Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us, led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Watch this. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of this world and we forget thee. He, he warned us about this. James Johnson warned us about this in 1921 when he wrote, when he wrote, lift every voice and sing. And we are doing exactly what he warned us not to do. Keep us in, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world and we forget thee. That's exactly what we're doing in a time where the only one that can really, the only one that can really bring us, that can bring us freedom is, is Christ, and he said in Luke chapter 4 that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to preach good news to poor people, to proclaim freedom to those who are captive, to those who are in prison, and to and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free people that are oppressed. You're, you're detaching yourself from, from Christ, which is a trick of the devil, because... 
This is a satanic attack on black folks that we that we should be subservient to some other race of people. That is demonic. Right. Right. And we all know that that's not true. Yeah, what? What? How? Man, let me move on because I almost went off left. Went off left here. So, how? so here, so here, here's what it is. This is why I think this conversation is so important. Obviously, in a time like this, uh, probably the scripture that's being quoted most is, "If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I would hear their cry and I would come and heal the land." I love it. I believe it. Oh yeah, it's true. But what I think is probably at this time even more important to recite is there's two scriptures one says and all that getting get an understanding and the other that says it's because of a lack of knowledge that people perish that my people perish so i want to make sure that that we don't fall under the spell of the sensationalism of Christianity so much that we don't recognize the work of Christianity. The work and as well as as well as the mental space. Because Paul said, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Right? And so specifically in the black church, we've put so much emphasis on sensationalism. That we've suffered in the area of renewing our minds because being being ignorant, and I mean that in the literal definition, being ignorant and being holy are not synonymous at all. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so I want I want to do to do my part. To make sure that whoever is following, associated, supporting a member of Abundant Faith um, understands that we have a role. And now I, I want to um, I got a couple more questions for you, uh, but I want to say this. I want to uh, have a moment of transparency because uh, Pastor Wyatt, um, my wife and my parents probably know this more than anyone. Um, I personally, for a long time, have been one of those, you know, I'll handle the ministry, I'll let somebody else handle the politics. Um, I don't like it. Uh, it, it. It's not my thing. Oh, but it right? suits you so well. Uh, <laughs> and, and recently, uh, I was convicted um, I was convicted. I was encouraged by people and convicted by the Spirit that in times like these, um, my ministry would be a lot less effective if I tried to completely ignore uh, certain political and social aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I have personally had to come out of my comfort zone. Uh, and, and still, you won't see me on, you know, TV cameras and stuff like that. But uh, as far as as far as getting down and doing the work, uh, I was convicted to to sort of step my game up in, on that level. Um, so so I want to stay on the same track, but I want to uh, kind of switch gears just a little. And I want you to talk about uh, you just read what Jesus preached. In Luke chapter 4 
Um, I want you to talk a little bit about um, how the average church member, what role do they play? Uh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. Um, and, and ultimately, I, I don't even know, you know, where I fit in this thing. How does someone kind of figure out uh, how they fit in wanting to um, both support the church ministry as well as what's happening in society? <clears throat> okay, I would, I would say Luke 4 is not a clarion call to preachers, mm-hmm. although Jesus chose that as his first sermon. Mm-hmm. Luke chapter 4 is a clarion call to Christians. Right. So even if you are sitting in a pew, the, the expectation of you is to <laughs> preach the good news to the poor, uh-huh. proclaim freedom to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set free the oppressed, because these are all the things that Christ came to do. And if you are a Christian, Christ-like, you ought to be echoing these things. The other thing I would just say is one of the, one of the main things you could do, because you said that my people perish for a lack of knowledge, which is so true. Um, one of the main things you could do in this moment is educate yourself on your surroundings. I'm talking about educate yourself on these political candidates. Educate yourself on, um, on how the politics work. Educate yourself on what the social issues are. Just this week, I was made alert as, as, as dialed in as I am, Pastor Bartlett. I was put on alert that in Indianapolis in 2020, this year, that of all the murders that have happened in this city, only 20% of those have a person arrested for it. Mm. 20% of the murders in this city have a person that has been arrested for those murders in 2020. 20%. Now, and out of that 20%, we don't even we we, don't, we wouldn't even know where to start to find out out of those 20 out of that 20% what the percentage is of those people who actually did it. Yeah. So, and because the, the chances are that there's a good chance that of the 20% that have, as you said, that have been arrested, that some of them are innocent. Right. So the, the, the alarming thing being that there's at least 80% murderers, 80% of the people that have been killed in Indianapolis, 80% of those people, they're murderers still walking around. Yeah. And these are areas where uh, I feel as a Christian, you can involve yourself on the level that you can, for example, um, I, and I'll just briefly mention this, that Young Lions, we had made a, uh, in our statement when we had our rally downtown in front of the city county building, one thing I said was, yeah, we're going to have rallies and all that, but the next rally that needs to happen needs to be at your family barbecue. Mm-hmm. Because all of us, no matter how bougie you think you are, how, how bourgeoisie you are, there is somebody in your family that's walking, that's gun toting, walking around, tatted up, weed smoking, rolling up a blunt in the car as he's pulling off. And you should pull him. You should care enough about him to be like, bro, yo, what you doing with your life, man? You know what I mean? And, and, and this is because watch this. Just because people are walking around doesn't mean that they aren't captives. 
right. like Luke chapter like Luke chapter four says, captives, or that they are spiritually blind. Right. Right. So there are ways that you can get involved. And I think one of the ways you get involved is to understand that Luke chapter 4 is not just a pastoral clarion call. It is a Christian clarion call. And then in addition to that, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that your ministry as an individual is important. And, 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 And the only way you can minister as an individual is to educate yourself about your surroundings. <clears throat> educate yourself on, like I said, the politics and the political issues. Because, like, we have a, an issue, like I said, underneath the surface of only 20% of the murders have somebody arrested. That is a major problem, right? That is a problem of, of injustice and inequality. Because somebody, it's inequality because you're walking around alive after you kill me and I'm in the ground, right? right? And so, um, and then a lot of times, you know, with COVID-19 up until recently, when people were burying loved ones through the, uh, due to gun violence, um, there could only be five or six, seven, eight, ten people at the funeral. So this family is grieving alone. Right. And so there are, there are ways for you to get involved, but it, it, you have to care enough to dial in. You have to care enough, you have to care enough to, pl- to get, to plug yourself in to what's going on around you. Because, again, I, 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 like I said, it bothers me when Negro preachers try to disconnect themselves as if you growing your church to 2,000 members. I was, Lord, thank you, Jesus. As if you growing your church to 2,000 members is more important than any one life. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. Because the, 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 the characteristic that Jesus describes to us of a shepherd is that they'll leave 99 and go get one. Get the one. I, I'll leave a 2,000 member church and go get 20 if, if that's going to make sure that them 20, because them, them, them 2,000, they're probably going to be all right. Mm-hmm. These 20 that stray is who I need to be going after. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And so we, we have got to get to a point in, in the body of Christ where, uh, where we plug ourselves back into what's going on around us. We, we have allowed... And I wrote an essay about this um, just recently. And what I said in the essay is that we have allowed prosperity preaching to take us away from the roots of who we are as a black church. Mm-hmm. Your grandmom and them didn't have nothing. They weren't talking about checks in the mail and Cadillacs because they were they understood that look, as long as I got some as long as I got some potluck in there, you know, potluck meaning you, you is you lucky to find yeah. some meat in there? <laughs> right. There, there might be some meat. Yeah. Your, your spoonful might have some meat in yeah. it. But they were full of power. They were full of wisdom. They were full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And we have disconnected ourselves from that. Trying to keep up with white folks is what it is. As black folks, as much as we, we don't want to say it, but we try to keep up with white folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? We leave our black neighborhoods to go and live in traditionally white areas because we feel like that is better than who we are, and then go guess what the white folks do? They no offense, white folks. This ain't Pastor Bart, this is Kendall talking. Don't 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 blame him, blame me. <laughs> but then they come back to our areas that we have vacated because we have convinced ourselves on some level that what they have is better. No, you are a child of God and everything they have access to, you have access to. You are also a child of the king. You understand right. what I'm saying? Right. And I just think that what you can do from the pew is Understand Luke chapter four applies to you and to dial yourself into your surroundings, whether it's that that young man in your family that needs somebody to grab him and pull him in 
or whether it is understanding that there is no moral equivalence between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. There isn't a moral equivalence between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and, and just and, and everything in between. Get dialed in. So so let me say this, because this is still this is still Bible study. It's still Bible study. So I want to say this. Um, when Pastor White is talking about being dialed in, uh, I think that and I don't want to get too far off subject on this because this could be a whole nother rabbit hole. But the issue, uh, one of the issues, one of the greatest advantages of today is also one of the biggest issues of today. Uh, and that is social media. And where I'm going with that is um, many of us, even in our, uh, even in some of our lack of belief in Christianity is because somebody on social media told you something and you went and watched the first YouTube video right. you saw and now, you know. You whatever. watched the first two minutes of that video. Right. You didn't watch so, the whole thing. Right. So, so um, social media can be our greatest advantage, but it can also be. Uh, our greatest barrier and so when Pastor White is talking about getting plugged in you cannot depend on the opinions of people to make decisions for you the Bible says it's from a lack of knowledge that my people perish you have to gain understanding for yourself here it is watch this if you depend on the opinions of people to make decisions for you. Here's how politics work. The politicians will wash their hands and let you crucify the one who's here for you. Right. If you allow for people's opinions to make your decision. That, that went over some of y'all's heads and if it did, you really need to read your Bible. The crowd will make Enough noise that the politicians have you crucified will give the, the crowd what they want. Talk, son. And what the crowd wants is to crucify the one who came to save you. So it is. <laughs> it's very important for you to, for you to educate yourself, um, and if you don't know, ask. Ask. Here, here's what I would tell you about social media. This is what happens. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to even throw Google into this mix. Specifically as it pertains to religion and even more specifically as it pertains to Christianity. Um, what you see first is probably not accurate. <laughs> uh, when, when Peter writes... You're a peculiar, peculiar people, a, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, all of that. That means that you're different from the majority. Uh -huh. And so what you Google is oftentimes the thought of the majority, which means as a Christian, it's likely it doesn't apply to you. <clears throat> so Google can be good. Social media can be good. Um, but if that's your only teacher, you might have a problem. Um, and so, so we want to make sure uh, that we are educating ourselves because the church has a job to do. Um, Sister Dwindling is on the, main, on the main feed. She said they not only did they want to crucify the Savior, but they were willing to set a murderer free in order to make it happen. 
Wow. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all better pay attention. Y'all, listen, y'all better pay attention to Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, uh, I'm glad you said that. This this will kind of be this will kind of be the last question. We we're a little bit uh, a little bit all over the place, but but we'll do this again um, soon because I want to make sure that we are. Uh, that we're equipped to handle because some of this, some of this, I believe that some people, um, this is good for some people because they know what they believe, but they may not necessarily know how to deal with the opposition mm-hmm. of what they believe. You know what I mean? The like, apologetics. The yeah. Apologetics. So, 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 so this is going to be good for some of us because now we know how to approach certain people uh, when they oppose our belief systems, right? Um, but I want to ask this one question uh, before we go. Um, educate us on, now I know a lot of us are sick, disgusted, completely just over Donald Trump. But explain to us why as Ugh, as he might be, <laughs> why he's not the Antichrist. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen. Listen. As so all, let, let's try to do it in, in five. We'll do it. In, I, I can do it. In, I can do it with one statement. Okay. Honestly. If, would you agree, Pastor Bartlett, that if any one piece of scripture, if any one piece of what someone is presenting as scripture, if that's false, then probably everything else is false. Correct. Because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. It's very specific. Correct. The Bible, first of all, I, here's, here's the main reason why I know that Donald Trump is not the Antichrist. The Bible says that the Antichrist will be without natural affection, meaning that the Antichrist will have no desire for women. And Donald Trump is a, an adulterer at the highest level. So I know he's not the Antichrist. There it is. I mean, and then I, can, I can go deeper so, than that, but he is not the Antichrist. Now, I will say this, that Donald, the things that Donald Trump is doing, I think, those of you, okay, let me say this, because maybe I can spend my, my three minutes on this. Okay. Those of you that, that are, as it pertains to uh, the church and how we view society and our role in society, those of you that think that the impending or the imminent um, vaccine for COVID-19 is the mark of the beast, that bothers me more than anything else. Revelation chapter 13 clearly says that the mark of the beast will be in their right hand and in their forehead. And it says it will be a number. It's the number of man, 666. The Bible literally says that. If they're going to give you a vaccine in your hand and after the vaccine is in your hand, then it like puts a rash on your hand that says 666 or if they're going to like uh, if they tell you you can't have this vaccine unless you let us put a microchip in the middle of your forehead, unless they do that, take the vaccine, unless you just don't want the vaccine, unless you say, look, man, you know, I want them to figure out all the, all the little issues with the vaccine, then I'll take it. But stop attaching this stuff to the eschaton, and if you just want the eschaton, meaning, because see, watch this, people talk about <laughs> the Antichrist, and uh-huh. they talk about all that stuff, but they didn't but know what the word eschaton is, right? See, that's how you know. Yeah. Okay. That's how you know. See what I'm saying? Uh-huh. 
if, if someone says a word that you've never heard before, you probably don't know that subject matter. That's just in general. But I, on my Facebook page, uh, Kendall Wyatt on Facebook, I put, it's a public post, I put uh, 13 charts with corresponding scriptures <laughs> on there from the preeminent, the preeminent authority, or I should say the authority, the preeminent mind, the preeminent scholar on end time prophecy in this country and probably on this planet, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, mm-hmm. who is a Jewish, who is a Jew that converted to Christianity. So, bro, he understands Hebrew and Greek very fluently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I share those because um, I don't want us. Now, we always, Jordan, need to be looking to the sky because sure. we, we need to, you know, because. Um, Jesus, uh, the angel said when Jesus was sitting in heaven, the angel said, why are you gazing into heaven? Why are you looking at him like this as he's ascending into heaven? The same way he ascended, he will descend. Right. So we know he's coming back again. And I don't want to take that away. But while we are um, locking in on we, we chase and I, and I fear black folks specifically that we are so punch drunk that we just reach for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is conspiracy. Everybody is the devil or a conspiracy, and then people that don't even believe in Christianity is either Antichrist. Like I thought you was right, right. I thought you was a. I thought you was Egyptology. Right. What, what are you talking about? You? I thought you was a Pan Africanist for sure. But so, so no, Donald Trump is not the Antichrist. And honestly, if you want to study this subject matter, inbox me. Yeah. I will walk you through it. I keep I keep threatening to do a series of videos on it. You know what I mean? But I kind of get it out of my system and then I leave it alone. Yeah. But no, he is not the Antichrist. And, and, and here's the other thing. That if you are a Christian, you don't have to worry about the mark of the beast or the Antichrist. Because if the word of God is true, you won't be here to see it no way. Now, we'll say that the things that Donald Trump has done with Russia, mm-hmm. the stuff that he's done with Turkey, mm-hmm. the stuff that he's done with Syria, mm-hmm. um, the stuff he's done with Iraq and Iran, all... Make it easier for what the Antichrist will do because Turkey, Syria, Russia, Iraq, and Iran are all coming together to create five of the nations that will invade Israel. And they did that under the watch of Donald Trump. So those of you who are Christian conservatives that think that Donald Trump was sent by God, he may not have been sent by God. He may have been allowed by God. So they're prophecy. To usher in mm-hmm. the eschaton. Yeah. <laughs> he might be he might be the one ushered in to unleash the fifth, sixth, and seventh seals. So if you think that that is so is was the devil is the devil sent of God? Or does God allow Satan right. to to have the beast and the Antichrist and the false prophet? Did he send them or did he allow them? I believe that God allowed Donald Trump as a punishment. To America, because I think down through the anvils of time, God knew that a George Floyd was going to happen, and He knew. See the Bible, and I'm done. The Bible says that He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish, and this is a blemish on the American white Christian. How they are indifferent to the treatment of people of color in this nation, and I believe if that's a part of getting the blemishes out and getting the wrinkles out and getting the spots out. I believe a George Floyd had to happen so that God could get out his ironing board and straighten out white Christians, right? That's my theory.
Okay. I'm done. So, um, what we've been talking about the last few weeks, we're getting ready to wrap up. What we've been talking about the last few weeks, and I think what Pastor Wyatt just hit on, was all of this stuff is happening right now, and it's causing a lot of confusion. And I've been saying it for weeks on end. Confusion is a strategy of Satan. It is. Confusion, distraction. Satan, Satan is a magician. And what a magician does is he draws your attention to one place Mm -hmm. so that you don't notice what he's doing in another place. And because you didn't notice it happening, you thought that it was magic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and Satan is that type of magician. Um, So we have to make sure that we're not allowing for confusion to make it easy for him to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. Um, Let me, can I just, one, one other thing. Those that might be watching, if, if you are truly interested in eschatology, mm-hmm. um, I would encourage you to look at Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 and Daniel chapter 9. And uh, look at Revelation chapter 13. So Ezekiel 38, 39, Daniel 9, and Revelation chapter 13. I believe if you look at those with a, a translation of the Bible that you understand, maybe the Message Bible or uh, the American Revised Version, uh, one of those newer versions, um, or the New King James, something like that. If you really are interested in studying it and comparing it to what we see uh, in our current um, political state, I think you'd be surprised about how accurate God's word is on this subject matter. For sure. So um, now, uh, as I stated before, um, I was I was encouraged by some and, and convicted by the Spirit to uh, not only do my part, but you know, as God has has granted me the grace uh, to lead this congregation, that we will uh, do our part to. Um, to join in the fight, um, to, uh, and here's the thing. Uh, I asked the question about what do people do when they don't know what to do, right? Um, and you talk about informing yourself. One of the things you want to inform yourself on uh, are the groups that are doing the work, right? Because maybe, maybe you don't have the time or, or the grace to do certain things, but maybe you have the resources, right? Um, Maybe you have the resources to be able to support the people who do have the time in the end. Um, so, so as a part of educating yourself, uh, educate yourself on the groups uh, that are out in the communities doing the work. Find one that aligns with, you know, your belief system. Now, I am un- unapologetically biased to the Young Lions Action Network. Obviously, uh, I'm a member of the Young Lions Action Network. Um, the the members of the network are. Preachers, pastors, activists, in any combination. Um, and so uh, I'm unapologetically biased to that organization. So, uh, and, and we do a lot of work behind the scenes. We're in rooms, offices, meetings, Zoom calls that the general public is not allowed to be in. 
uh, is not privy to, and we're being a voice for those people. So uh, as, as one of the things that you'll want to educate yourself on, it is those groups that are out there, uh, and do whatever you can to support. In today's day, in, in today's uh, climate, uh, you don't know how important a share on social media might be. Absolutely. Um, that's, that, that can be huge, uh, and that's something that don't cost you much time or energy and, and, and no money. Uh, you already scrolling, so just hit the share. Um, with that being said, uh, I want you to read this real quick. Okay. Um, I want to, oh Lord. Okay, so the Young Lions Action Network is in the chat. Uh, so if you, would, if you would just click and follow that page, um, we would greatly appreciate it. Will you read that real yeah, quick? Yeah, in addition to that, let me, I'm going to read this because I've, um, okay, we're about to see what this is. I want to say, um, if, you, if you feel like you want to give to Young Lions, we are young, we are on Cash App, Young Lions Network, Young Lions Network. Um, Make sure are, you put the dollar sign first. Don't yeah. be talking about we couldn't find it. Put the, y'all know how Cash App works. Put the dollar sign, Young Lions Network. Yeah, Young Lions Network, and we um, we are as Pastor Bartlett knows, we are finishing up our five hundred one c three, and we actually we are state certified, so we can take donations at this point. And um, if you give, we will give you a gifting statement. We're going to do it the right way. Okay. Wow. This says the Abundant Faith Church. And it says to the Young Lions, it said the Abundant Faith Church would like to thank the Young Lions Action Network for all its work in our community. When we think of the people you have helped already and the vast number of people that will benefit from your future work, we are not only deeply grateful for your courage, vision, and work, but also strongly compelled to help support your cause. Although the enclosed donation is not as expansive as our support, uh, we hope it provides at least a small amount of assistance towards the continuation of for your services. Thank you again for all that you do with love and support. The Abundant Faith Christian Church, Pastor Jordan and First Lady Lakia Bartlett. I want to tell you, thank you, man. I don't know how much it is, but we gonna we gonna put it in that we gonna put it in the pot, so Doc. Let, and, let, me, uh, let me say this. Um, Pastor Wyatt is the president of Young Lions Action Network. Uh, and as he stated, we're completing our 501 uh, process for that network for us to be uh, nationally recognized. Um, and people, organizations, individuals uh, have supported that effort. Um, and as a network, we got an unexpected gift earlier this week. Uh, and so um, this should cover the rest. <laughs> Bro, that's crazy. Wow. Pastor Bartlett, thank you, man. So so here's thank the thing. Y'all oh, wow. know. God be praised. Y'all know we, and when I say we, I mean abundant faith, we don't do stuff for show. Um, we've given stuff, money, services to people uh, over this year that no one will ever know about. But as the leader of this congregation, I want everyone to know uh, that we support what the young lions are doing. Uh, and the Bible says that where your heart is is where your treasures will be also. Uh, so, so I wanted everyone to know that uh, we're doing our part um, to support what's happening because not only is it about changing policies and changing laws and 
you know, and, and getting the right people arrested, but it's also uh, being able to give condolences to a mother who's lost her son. It's also being able to, uh, to, to feed a family who's lost their primary breadwinner. Uh, these are all things that the Young Lions are doing, and so Abundant Faith uh, supports 100%, uh, and I want that to be known that Abundant Faith supports the Young Lions Action Network uh, and the work that they and we are doing in the community. Man, I, I, again, on behalf of the Young Lions, I know you're a member of Young Lions, but I thank you so much, Pastor Parker, for this. This is...